What's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Dre, with another Against the Grain podcast, where we elevate your mind, align your purpose, and maximize your potential. So sit back and relax, and tune in to another episode. Yeah! It's ATG. What's going on, Against the Grain family? We are back with another episode, and I'm super excited to talk about it. Obviously, we have a special guest here, uh, but we're going to kick it off. You know, this is Dre, surrounded by my brothers, BZ, Will, Nick, say what's up to the people. And we definitely want to um, give a special shout out to Mr. Christopher Pearson for, you know, allocating some of his time to speak with us about this uh, topic that should be very engaging and insightful. So without getting too deep into it, man, it's a super immersed and kind of not necessarily heavy, but, you know, layered discussion that we'll be having today. Uh, we will be talking about how Christianity has an impact or has impacted the black community. Uh, we'll talk about several layers of, you know, uh, how it's impacted, you know, melanated people worldwide. And we'll even speak to how it was introduced to uh, black people in its rawest form. So I think it's only appropriate to uh, first start off by each of us kind of talking about our own walks of life, with it, whether it be in Christianity or spirituality, in total, um, and I think it's only appropriate to kick off that uh, topic with my brother Nick, who initially uh, threw out this topic uh, as a discussion um, for this particular episode. So I'll stop rambling and kind of kick it to my brother. Right on. Um, so I believe whenever I look at my personal journey um, with Christianity, um, side note, Chris and I, we're, we're, we're related, we're cousins, first cousins. So we come from um, a background full of pastors and preachers and just people being in the faith, right? Um, so, you know, growing up, I didn't have a choice on what I chose to believe in. It's like, you're going to believe in this and you're going to go to this church, right? So that's pretty much how it was brought to me. Um, I didn't really get officially saved probably until bro, probably like my third year of college, Right, is when I really, I guess, got saved and really started to dig into the principles of Christianity and what that looked like. And I did that and I practiced it, you know, for for, for years, probably four or five years. Then I kind of hit this different place in my life to where some things really weren't adding up. That's not to say that I fell away from the faith of Christianity or that I don't believe in Christ, but it was some of the uh, principles that I really began to question, right? And then I went through that phase for a few years. And now I'm in this space to where I can identify what I, what I believe in, and then I know how to leave out some of the things that I just don't feel comfortable with in my personal life. But I think overall, Christianity wasn't brought to me in the form of a choice, right? It was, this is what it is, this is what you're going to believe in. And I think, it's, I think it's like that for a lot of people, just when it comes to faith in general. Right. So I, I believe that sometimes you know you gotta step outside the box to really figure out what it is you believe in and what it really aligns with your faith and your internal compass. Completely fair. Completely fair. Well, you want to kick off uh, your special journey? Uh yeah, I'm, I'm kind of similar to Nick. Um Christianity was brought to me as hey, this is what it's gonna be in my house. Um uh, we're gonna go to this church. Um and this this is what you're going to believe because it's what I'm telling you. Um, but I didn't really, really start to dig into like 
information as far as Christianity um, until I was out on my own. Um, and I started, you know, questioning things, looking into other religions. Um, and I'm still on my uh, spiritual journey, you know, to figure out, you know, what's best for me. But um, kind of like Nick's situation, it was brought to me not as an option. Fair, fair. Uh, Chris, do you mind if I call you Chris? Yeah, Chris. sure. That's fine. That's fine. Um, <clears throat> so uh, as Nick, as Nick already pointed out, we're cousins and um, uh, do have a lot of uh, pastors, preachers, the whole bit in our family. We even have a uh, uh, family church uh, that we had back in the day. So funerals, uh, Christmas, Easter, all of that. That's where everybody went. Um, much like Nick, uh, I was I was just kind of born into that. And I really didn't make the faith my own until I was uh, 18. So the summer before I went off to, uh, to college, um, I was going to go to uh, Mizzou um, and instead went to a uh, Southern Baptist uh, University by the, by the name of Missouri Baptist University. I uh, did four years of theological study there and then went to seminary for a grand total of about two years. Uh, I am a uh, ordained minister with uh, the Southern Baptist uh, Convention. I've gone to Southern Baptist churches most of my adult life, though I wouldn't necessarily say I am died in the wall, hardcore uh, Southern Baptist is just kind of where I landed and never felt the need uh, need to go elsewhere. But um, uh, raising my children in it, my wife is, my wife is a believer um, and my, uh, a lot of her family are, uh, most of my family, most of my family is as well. And so we're, we're very steeped in it. We have family Bible studies on Zoom, in fact. So uh, our whole the whole family is uh, really just walking that walking that faith. Definitely appreciate you sharing that, uh, Jacquel. Uh, for me, uh, like my my family is heavily into into the church. Um, talking about clergy people everywhere, like bishops, pastors, evangelists, prophetess, like all these different things. Um, but I also have part of my family that's um, is Muslim as well. So I kind of have a, at an early age, had a kind of a wider perspective than like most black children would have, just by looking at two different faith systems. Um, and I think as I grew like older, um, I kind of just began wondering like, what makes one religion right? You know, like, cause you, you're looking, cause most people are born in one, they're like, okay, so I'm, I'm following this. So if you look at you like born seeing two it's like well which one's right like they not bad people over here these not bad people like what's right so um actually my freshman year i went to a, a christian christian school before i transferred to career academy um and then by the time i got to college i was kind of already like i was just more curious to anything so um i probably there was a, a, a one or two year period well, I probably researched every religion under the sun. Like, um, I don't know which ones I haven't looked up. Like, just everything. Like, it just kind of really seeing like a common thread of like principles and ideals. So I'm just like, man, this don't really make sense. And then going to the history. I mean, just like deep, deep history. 
I'm just like, okay, uh, something's common here. And also being a history buff when it comes to politics, like having those three thresholds of, of a spiritual history, political history, and then like black history, this really made me like more puzzled as I try to put the pieces together than I, than I was when I was just like let everything be on its own. Like these things exist and not sure where they connect. And so now I'm at a point where um, I teach spirituality from a place of, you know, God is within all things. And um, that's my, my, I don't know if you, what would you call it. Like, I don't, I'm not a belonger to a religion, so to speak, but it's just like, I practice, you know, a, a, a unison with God and to respect all beings as if they were also God. So that's kind of how I navigate uh, like the spiritual walk and people in their own like respective religions. Sure, and I think I could echo to everyone's points. Uh, Christianity, or you know, my my Baptist family was uh, pushed on you. You know, you don't really have a say so. You don't have the conversations with children anyway. That's just black families in general. You do this. This is where you're supposed to be. We going to church at this time. You better be ready. You better be out the door at this. Time. You know that's kind of how it was. So you know, as most kids, you grew up like kind of dreading church. It's just a place that you don't want to be. That you got to sit still for a long period of time. I think as you grow and mature, though, you actually walk into spirituality. I think that's the difference between you know church and having that spirituality. And I and I do believe there is a guy and like Beasy. You know, I've researched other religions. And I feel like the common denominator is love and respect for thy neighbor, for thyself. And, and then becoming the best version of yourself while also helping those in that process. I feel like it's a common thread of most religions that are progressive in nature in that regard. So um, you you can say that I am Christian, um, but I, I honestly, I just believe in God. Um, and, I, and I feel like it's a duty to yourself to be the best version of yourself while also being respectful of those that you come in contact with. So like I said, uh, as I was introduced to a collegiate environment, you're introduced to so many different stimuli that it naturally, you know, enacts a curiosity that, you know, you don't feel, feel that elitism, like mine is the only thing that's right and I shun you. It was more of a, I'm curious or I'm coming from a place of understanding. Well, why do these Islamic brothers think this way? Why do these Buddhist brothers think this way? Um, you know, why do the uh, Judaism, uh, why do these sisters uh, believe in, you know, in those distinctions as well? So it just harbored a place of curiosity and then knowing some of the undertones that come with Christianity that we'll speak to later, kind of, you know, further, you know, enhance that enigma that I was kind of having that spiritual uh, tug of war, uh, tug of war, if you will. Um, but I say to say this, uh, just a caveat before we get too deep and immersed, we're not attacking any religion. Uh, we just know that Christianity kind of dominates the black community. And we want to look at it from a historical uh, analysis of, you know, uh, how it's impacted us, uh, you know, so the word, you know, how it was introduced and things like that. So it's it's not an attack session. We're all brothers, you know what I'm saying? We're all unified in our stance to progress each other and become the best version of ourselves and be supportive of one another. Um, so we have a difference of opinions. If you see it now, just know that's not coming from a malicious place. It's coming from a place of understanding. Um, so what I'll do now is just kind of kick it to our first topic and just talk about, um, essentially, I just want to know from a historical perspective and also from a biblical perspective. So I guess I'll aim this first question at you, uh, Christopher, is um, 
how do you believe that Christianity was introduced to uh, black people or melanated people or just the origins or the Prometheus of how things were started uh, in your regard or in your studies? Uh, so I guess in my mind, you have to make a difference between uh, black Americans and uh, Africans. And so uh, Africans were, I mean, depending on where you go to <clears throat> in scripture, and uh, what's commonly referred to as the Old Testament, you have the uh, Queen of Sheba coming and talking to um, King Solomon. Uh, well, she was, she was from Africa. And so if she would have taken that wisdom back with her, you're talking about a very early, early uh, influence of Judaism there. Uh, and then once you get to the New Testament, uh, again, Africa, uh, the Middle East, all of that, uh, it hit Africa pretty quickly, a lot, a lot sooner than it did what we would call Europe. So your Spains or your um, Italy's or anything along uh, those lines. Uh, so how were, how were Africans, uh, original uh, melanated people, introduced to it? Probably by the apostles themselves. Um, once, you, once you step hundreds and hundreds of years into uh, the future and you start talking about African-Americans in general, then some, some came over as Christians. Uh, some came over with tribal, um, with tribal religions. Um, some uh, Muslim, uh, and a lot of times they were introduced to scripture, introduced to uh, Christianity as a way to control, uh, to control the populace. Um, and it was very much a, okay, uh, I'm the master, you're the slave, you're going to be obedient to me because that's the hierarchy. They would pull verses out of context, point to it and say, see, it says right here, now if you're you're going to uh, if you're going to be good and obedient, then that's what you'll do, and uh, it kind of kind of went down that way. But if we're talking about the original uh, people, then uh, yeah, a lot of them were African, Middle Eastern. In fact, if you talk about the first couple of church councils, you can't even really call them a worldwide council because there weren't a lot of white people there. It was mainly melanated people when you uh, get into those early. Uh, early councils in the church history. I'll defer to the committee because I'm, I'm going to be completely honest. From a historical perspective, no idea. Like I, the only thing I have is the black plight, which is the African American, or how it was introduced yeah. um, as slaves. Anybody else who has a historical analysis, please feel free. Well, I know. and I know I know Jaquel has a lot, so I'm gonna turn it over to him real soon because I can't wait to hear it. Um, <laughs> But I do know, um, based off of my research, just kind of over the years about the Moors, and if people don't know about the Moors, the Moors were um, a powerful, I don't even want to say organization, but a, a group of people, um, black people, in which they actually taught white people the importance of dressing for four seasons, shall I say Europeans, the importance of dressing for four seasons and how to bathe properly. And they, they just gave them a lot of insight just in regards, in regards to life, period. And it was at one point where I believe the Moors, and Chris, you may be able to correct me on this, but the Moors and the Romans, they, they actually battled it out, right? In which it was, the fight was based off of religion. Um, 
in which the Romans turned around and used Christianity as a way to attack the Moors. Um, and I believe the Moors lost that battle before a long time. The Moors, they ruled, um, I, I want to say Spain and um, um, Italy and uh, th things of that nature, like over there in like the Europe area. So the Moors were extremely um, powerful back then, and they pretty much ran everywhere within that particular demographic. Uh, but I do know that it was at one point where the Romans and the Moors did battle it out, and it was based off of religion. BZ, you familiar with that? Yeah, uh, I was gonna go before before even that period. I think uh, an important distinction to make is um, Christianity as a as a organized religion versus the original followers of Christ. I think those are two different, they intertwine at some point, but there are two different instances in history, right? Like the first followers of Christ didn't necessarily call themselves Christians, you know what I mean? Like the organization followed soon thereafter the, the, the death and resurrection of Christ, but the organization that we, the infrastructure or the what term you want to use for it, like the system of Christianity is very much intertwined with the Roman conquering machine. Like that's how that was intertwined. So I think we talk about like the, like Chris said, the original people or melanated people, Africans knew of, knew of Christ, right? They, like he was, he was, he was a, a known figure and people followed him for his teachings and for for his works and what he was what he was giving people at that time where there's a lot of chaos so we have to understand even at that point what religions were on the on the board and what philosophies and ideologies were on the board at that time so you had especially in the mediterranean area we're now called the mediterranean area was but there are so many people who are there's paganism there's and there's different kinds of paganism that's going on. Like there's not even like a uniform thing. So the, the Romans are looking to create a uniform faith system. Like that's people's most dear to them. Like you can control their spirituality, you can control the people. And so there was a lot of dissent and chaos and rebellion going on because people will go to war over what they believe in. So if we can contain this piece of paganism, this piece of Christianity, this piece of, this piece of uh, Judaism, this piece of Zoroastrianism, like we can take all these things together and kind of make it a little blending pot that we can kind of appease to everyone. And because Christianity was at that, by the time it got to the Romans adopting it, and you, it, it was, it's interesting because it's political, but it's also, they wanted to be believers too, right? They wanted to be believers. And you start talking about like hundreds of years after Christ, people are people are starting to adopt it more. Like people are like, man, I'm really resonating with this new faith system, like this new ideology. It wasn't even, they didn't even identify as like Christians. Like we we can look back and say, oh, they were the first Christians, but like they were just like, man, that, that dude Jesus knew something, bro. Like I'm I'm riding with him. You know what I mean? That's how they was. Like he he taught me something. Like if you if you met a teacher and a teacher gave you a new insight like man i really appreciate him for giving me those words and i'm going to live my life according to how he was talking and i'm going to honor god that way 
versus these pagans over here or versus these Jews or versus I'm going to do it the way he said it. Cause I believe what he was, he was, you know what I mean? His, his words spoke to me. And so as it gains popularity, anything gains popularity, you're looking at people who are, anybody who in power sees something rising, they're going to like, wait a minute, I gotta, I gotta control that because if that thing gets too much, too much power, I have to now, it's gonna it's gonna impact my power. It's gonna impact what we have going on as far as the conquering machine. So the Romans are looking to take control of Christianity, and I think that that time period really shifted how African or original or black people interacted with the faith. Because at that point in time, it then became a, a political weapon. It became a a political tool and a agenda to say, you know, we do believe with parts of this but we're going to also use this to conquer this land and this land and this land. And then you have the, the, in, the increase in the, the rise of that white supremacist mentality that kind of comes with it. But that's like that first introduction, like for a lot of people, like, you know, there was, there was a Roman empire. And like I said, there's, there's the Moors are in that, in that uh, vicinity. But if you look at the Roman empire that encapsulated Egypt and all around the Mediterranean, that's where Christianity first kind of got its like legs as an institution. And so it's like, what, what time period are we looking at? Are we looking at the first 500 years? Or are we looking at the post 500 years when it's more of a political agenda? That first 500 is still all in the Roman empire. Nothing's really changing, but the Romans are making sure that it doesn't impact their empire. So it's like, they're morphing it, but the people were already kind of in tune with like, Hey, Jesus is over here last week. Like, I, I heard about it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they, they knew. So it's not like people, like you said, the Queen of Sheba went to Solomon. So it's not like people, did, they were, people networked at that time. Like, kingdoms and, and, and empires networked all the time. But for the West Africans, most West Africans didn't get any Abrahamic religion until, you know, Islam came and then you have out of the Northern Africa, you have Islam and you have Christianity kind of slowly trickle down to the West and, and South Africa. So now you have, when we do come over here to the Americas, you do have Christians and, and Muslim African people. And you have also, like, like Chris said, you have tribal people as well. So it's like Africa was never this one thing. And what we call now the Middle East, which was melanated people was never one thing. So you have a, we have to understand that this is really the only country where people kind of practice the same thing or the only continent where people kind of practice the same thing because of the colonization. Africa and the, and the Middle East was so diverse. It's so many, it's almost hard to even pinpoint like, okay, did these black people know about Jesus? Did they know about this? It's like everyone kind of had a, it was like a smorgasbord of ideologies. And I think that's kind of where we, where we are now like just kind of un trying to unpack it as black Americans. Like, man, where do we fit in all this? I think that's like, gonna, we'll get into that later, but that's kind of how I see it, the, the conflict. Like, okay, I understand it was there, but where does that leave me as a black American? One, not even knowing where I'm from originally, and the people who gave it to me were, you know, my ideas of the first Christians that I saw. <laughs> so it's like, that's a lot of unpack there when, when it comes to the trauma. I mean, Chris, I don't know, well, Will, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, I think for me, the thing I struggle with with it is 
um, you know, as a black people, us not knowing our history, our first introduction to it, um, it was used as a tool to conquer us or to um, justify um, us being inferior or being slaves. Like the same people that gave us Christianity are the same people that gave us the N-word. Like that's something I struggle with. Like, and that's something that like the black community like puts so much into without even <clears throat> thinking about it that it never comes across as like, man, this this came from somebody that hated me for just a, for just how I look. And that that's what I struggle with with it. Um, so I would say um, I struggle the most um, is from uh, and I, and I spoke about this in the introduction is just some of the uh, some of the principles and beliefs. So I know um, the church teaches you almost in the sense that wealth comes from that's kind of like the enemy, right? So so if you you shouldn't be too wealthy and you really shouldn't focus in on money. But yet money is the main tool that you need to survive, right? So, so that's number one is, is, is the way they teach money. And I struggle with that, especially me being in the financial industry. That is a big struggle of mine, right? Secondly, I struggle with how, how now westernized Christianity is set up is to where you find, if you, if you go to any urban neighborhood, go to any hood, I don't care if you're in D.C., Atlanta, St. Louis, Dallas, wherever, majority of your churches is going to be based within the hood, right? So it's going to be based in economically stricken communities, and the message is going to be taught that you need to give X, Y, and Z, and you're going to receive a certain fold back, 10, 50, 20 fold. We all done heard that before, right? So it's like, so we hear that, but we're not really teaching the importance of being intentional with your funds, Right, because at the end of the day, Christianity and any other religion, it's it's a five hundred one c three. It's it's a nonprofit organization, right? So, with that being said, they 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 have the financial resources to turn around and give back and help these communities in which they receive their tithes from, receive their money from. So, the biggest issue I have with the church, Christianity, everyone labeled is we're not really equipping people from a financial standpoint and really teaching them the importance of that. And granted, you know, we can veer off and we can say, well, what's the responsibility of the church? We say that's not the church's responsibility. It's to teach people about money. But, but the church understands the, important about, the importance of money. Because if they didn't, they wouldn't pass their plate around twice every Sunday. You know what I mean? So, again, I feel like it has taught us to be, number one, real docile, kind of in our approach. And at a young age, we we were given the Bible and said, this is going to get you through life, right? But we were never really given a math book, a book about taxes, anything financial literacy. We weren't given any of that as a tool. We were, it's been ingrained, at least in my head, as a kid coming up, all you need is the Bible. And as long as you pray about it, it's going to happen. Right, so that's my biggest thing, and it doesn't really teach strategy. You know what I'm saying? Go ahead, Joe. You got some? 
do, I do. I mean, you you basically just hit it with the strategy point. Um, and, and look, this is not an attack on Christianity, but it sounded like that. Uh, so I don't feel like you have to rebuttal the whole uh, faith-based Christ, uh, Christopher, but uh, you may you may have to. But uh, but no, no, no. Just just the same thing that Nick was kind of alluding to as well. It's just like it's just elements of everything. Like how Nick, well, how Will said, you know, we were given this tool from a, a from a. I almost feel like a demon who hated us and tortured us and literally raped us and pillaged us for hundreds of years upon hundreds of years. It still continues to do so now, but has a Confederate flag, an American flag, and a Bible in their hand, you know, raving about, you know, you know what I'm saying? It just makes no sense uh, in that regard. And also, you know what I'm saying? You, you, you could talk about the financial aspect, but I feel like more of a communal impact on the communities. Like, I don't see churches outside of, like, after they congregate with their members, in the areas or you know immersed like hands-on book i mean book bag drives or anything like that like i grew up right across the street from the church i couldn't tell you the pastor the deacon none of that we used to like the park was literally right across the street from the church one time we seen these people was on sunday they still very inclusive they were in our neighborhood but very secluded from us so unless you have that church home it's not really a communal aspect of it. And I struggle with also the blueprint. Like the thing that I really like about the nation of Islam is that they're about the empowerment of the people and they have very direct actions on how what you can do to build yourself up and gain that heaven on earth. That's what I struggle with now. Like we're supposed to get beat up so much where we're in now and constantly struggle. And then after all of those beatings, we'll have a pie in the sky. We'll finally get a chance to ascend to a higher space to where we can finally be peaceful. I see people who have that every day and I struggle with that. I'm like, why do, why can't I have that if this person has that? You know what I'm saying? Or why do I have to struggle so much and get, you know, the lashings and the lowest end of the totem pole and no financial peace and bigger within our communities and drug infested things. And I'm just supposed to sit down and pray about it and be okay and, and, and know that, you know, at the end of the, the race, I finally ascend to heaven and there'll be peace. I struggle with that. So I, I, I want to find peace here on earth and I want to do find my heaven on earth and my paradise, you know, while I'm here. And I feel like teaching that message of waiting so long does make our people docile. Or does, like, I don't know how many other cheeks we can turn, <laughs> to be honest with you. We haven't been beat up so long. Like, how many, how many cheeks? Exactly, you know what I'm saying? So it's yeah. like, how do we approach that lens? Uh, I get what you're saying in regards to, uh, regards to and stuff, uh, a couple of things that you pointed out. Um, and I can't, I can't remember your, DeAndre, right? Yes, sir. Okay, so um, one thing that you pointed out was the church not being active uh, in the community. And I have to say that a lot of things that you guys are pointing out, not only do I completely agree with you, um, but more importantly, scripture itself agrees with you. Um, one thing that I hate to see people do, and it's, it's, not you all's, it's not you all's fault. Honestly, it's not anybody's fault. Uh, I hate that people look at the American church, the Western American American church, and through that lens, they see the totality of Christianity. They see the totality of uh, God's church. They see the totality of uh, this walk with Christ. Um, American Christianity is at best a this kind of weird anomaly that if you look at scripture, uh, doesn't make any sense whatsoever. It really doesn't. 
um, if you take the uh, if you take the majority church, and uh, by majority church, I'll just uh, just mean uh, predominantly white church throughout American history, there has been a marriage of Christianity and political power. Uh, just like um, just like you were saying, uh, uh, BC, right? <laughs> okay. Hey, don't laugh at me, man. I'm trying to get the big names down. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, just like uh, just like Beasley was saying, you have if you go all the way back to Rome, this what that that's what Rome did very early on. I mean, you're talking about a belief system that uh, Christianity, at least, uh, has lasted for two thousand years. Very early on, it was co-opted by people in power to subjugate other people or to uh, bring kind of unification. Uh, for an entire empire. So that's when you try to make Christianity that it's always going to self-destruct because it was not, that's not what it was built for. Um, for example, in the book of Acts, so uh, the Acts of the Apostles or the Acts of the Holy Spirit, whichever one you want to call them, uh, you have the rise of the early church. You follow first uh, the Apostle Peter and then the Apostle Paul. Uh, one of the first issues in the early church was that there were specific widows who were not being fed. And so in order to make sure that these widows were being fed, the apostles came up with the system of having deacons, people who were there simply to make sure that physical needs were met within the community. That's all they did. That was their goal. And so even in the earliest days, you're probably talking about months, years, once this gets started, their focus was on meeting the needs of the community around them. And so by the time you get to the end of the first century, where all the apostles are dead and some of their students even have been martyred, you have so much of the Roman Empire before it was empirized, uh, um, or before Christianity was empirized, kind of taken over by um, by the Roman Empire, a lot of people were Christians, not because Caesar was sticking a uh, sword to their neck and saying, okay, we're going to use Christ to do this, or um, before there was anyone saying, no, we demand you be Christian, the the poor, the widows, the the... Uh, the hungry, the sick, whoever they may be, they were the ones coming to Christ because they realized that in this new entity called the church, the gathering, there was something new that they weren't getting from a specific philosophy. They weren't getting this from the old gods. There was something new here that wasn't just about, as you said, pie in the sky, by and by but it was also touching here and now. And so Pie in the Sky doesn't gain millions uh, of followers. And it was, it was never supposed to be that. It was never supposed to be that anyway. It's not just a um, hope for the future and you know what, this will all work itself out in the end. That, that peace that people look for, that's accessible that joy that people look for, that's accessible uh, as well. Uh, Nick, you were talking about the financial piece of that, and I completely agree with you there. 
like people do need to be taught how to manage that money because from a biblical standpoint, God gave that money to us to steward. And so we need to be using it well. If you're rolling around with, you know, $600 shoes and the person next to you is starving, that's not a good stewardship. That's not good stewardship of your finances. But the same, but the, the same Bible also says, you know what? You treat your neighbor as yourself. So if I treated my neighbor as myself, I would take a look at that money. I would take a look at those shoes and say, you know what? This woman right here is starving. She needs food more than I need these new Jordan whatever. And that would also take place in the church as well. And so, uh, again, I cannot stress this enough, whether it's black church, white church, I always caution people not to look at the church that you see in America and say, well, because of what these guys are doing, I don't think I can gel with this. I don't think I can rock with uh, what Christianity is. What I would tell people to do is take a look at the underground church in China. Take a look at the underground church in Iran, uh, Iraq. Look at uh, people who look exactly uh, like us uh, throughout the Middle East who are willing to give their lives to make sure that the widows and orphans around them are fed because that's what Christ commanded them to do. Because if, if you line up, if you take the scripture and you line it up with a lot of what the American church is doing, you really can't say that what, what a lot of churches are doing are even, are even Christian in spirit. And so that's and so that's always a so that's always a tough sell, uh, sell for me. So if you if you go back just just an example here, um, so BZ, I don't know who uh, I don't I don't know what kind of your uh, your teachings are as far as like if you were to gain twelve people around you or so and they just started walking with you and listening to you and all that. I'm assuming uh, just because you studied. Uh, that it would have to do with respect yourself. It would have to do with respect others. Um, uh, it, it would have to do with maybe uh, um, treat women with uh, respect and kindness, gentleness, all those sorts of things. Uh, and so the first, your first 12 followers, they do that. They go out and teach others to do that as well. 600 years later, um, in the name of Beziism, <laughs> somebody somebody decides to go in the name of Beziism and rape women. Well, and they call themselves a Beziist. Like that that's what they call themselves. And, and so we have to look at does that gel with what BZ taught people to do? Not only does it not gel, it's the exact opposite. Of what he said, the exact opposite. And so I always counsel people: go back to the scripture, and then, and then test it by its fruit. Walk into walk into a church. If the pastor is saying, "Hey, give me your money and everything will be fine," find that in scripture. If it's not in scripture, chances are he made that up himself, and you shouldn't be following that. 
Uh, and then regards to something else that was pointed out, yes, this book was, uh, the, the Bible, the scriptures, were, uh, as far as the African-American um, piece, were given to us by the same people who brought the N-word. But I would also say this, that just like people back then and recently tried to keep black people from voting, so people use so many resources to keep black people from reading the entire Bible because they understood the power that is inherent in the scriptures. They made sure that when slaves heard sermons, it was never about masters. Make sure you treat your slave well because you have a master in heaven. Like no one, no one ever heard those sermons and that was on purpose. That was on purpose. And so it was, it was very important to keep a, a truncated, to keep a cut-off view of Scripture, to keep a cut-off view of Christianity. And so what you actually have, the only time the church in America has been persecuted or underground were those black slave churches during that time period because someone had the boldness to get a hold of a Bible at some point, read it for themselves if they could read, and they were preaching and teaching their fellow slaves the true word of God. And then you got people who were being beaten and whipped and all that, not because they were, uh, um, not because you had this pagan system and they were trying to shut up anyone talking about Christ. You had these people who were calling themselves Christian and they knew and they understood that within the scriptures, slaves would realize that what their masters were doing was not godly. And so they did everything they could to keep the full word of God out of their hands. And it, it just never took, just never took. It just, it just kept going and going and going generation after generation after generation. And, and so you, you are absolutely right about uh, that inward piece, but I would also add that I'd also add that onto it as well. Anyone want to hop in? I mean, I got. Let you have something, Dre. Let you have something. I mean, I have. So I can dominate this whole conversation. So I, I want to feel free to kind of yeah dish it out to everyone. Yeah, and I don't want to. I, I don't want to so, do that either. So. Dre, go 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 ahead, Dre. I, I'm going real quick, and then I'm I'm gonna hand it off to the other team members. So I definitely don't want to dominate this, but I feel like this is very intriguing. I think it's pivotal for us as people to kind of engage in these conversations. So oftentimes we talk about church in a way that it can't be questioned. Like it's, it's the end all be all and we can't have a conversation about it. I think, especially within the black community, that's uh, abrasive in nature. It doesn't push us forward and it doesn't allow us to be thought provoking creatures. It's, it just teaches us to listen and, and shut up when you do have questions. So I'll say, say this, um, I think you made great points it's, and the analogies were spot on to the point where I, you know, I can get it and it makes sense. The only thing that I would challenge is that I know in westernized church systems, things are often off kilter. And we can talk about predominantly white churches as well, but just inverse that, because I've never been to a predominantly white church. I mean, I've been to larger ones, uh, but in the black church, like we, we, we're taught these sermons. However, the mobilization is lacking. and I don't understand why. Like even these things are in the scripture and the things that you alluded to, I'm like, these are great points, you know what I'm saying? Um, and then they just stay as points, you know, saying the, the actions thereafter. So, I mean, I know of churches that have financial literacy pieces, so it could just be the churches that I've attended. And I'll let the other gentlemen speak to, you know, their church experiences or whatever. But the financial literacy piece, 
isn't often there. The mobilization community isn't there besides a, an occasional fish fry for the church members and fundraisers and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, the impact, you know, with like actually being immersed, you know, in the, the maturation development or even having those mentors in the church, if you will, uh, wasn't as strong. You know, you have your Sunday school teachers and you have, you know, the deacons and things like that. But that intentional, and, and then race is often pulled from uh, Christianity and the Black church, and I don't understand that. I think we need to be pumped with so much confidence and reassurance that as a Black man, as a Black woman, even in the Christian faith, you can still be strong, you can still uh, impact yourself in a very positive trajectory in your life. But oftentimes, it's such an inclusive uh, message that this doesn't necessarily resonate with me at this current state. Like, um, I have love for all people, for sure, but I'm very intentional about my people. And, and, and the love that I have for black people is astronomical. And, and those indigenous peoples and people of color, like that's always going to dominate because I feel like we've been disenfranchised state for so long that it will be a disservice when I give my full energy towards empowerment of my people. And I feel like, and I'm just speaking from my experience, I can't speak for anyone else's, but the churches that I've been at have an inclusive message with a loose action plan. And it, 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 it frustrates me when it's like you talking around me and I can catch the uh, message, you know, if I reach out far enough, but why are you not talking to me? Like, young brother, I know you're going through this, blah, blah, that. Pull, I'm gonna, we're going to pull you up by your bootstrap. We're going to make you a great man. We're going to walk through Christ, but we're also going to walk through America. And we understand the plight of both. And we know that religion is a political sphere. I mean, we can try to separate the two. But it's not a secular thing. Like, they're intertwined, and they're always going to be intertwined in America's because of the history of it. So it's just like, it's so many convoluted messages. They're like, I want to get on board, but then I'm like, I don't look right, but then I want to jump back in. And it's just like, that's where I'm there with it. But I'm gonna stop talking because I'm very intrigued. So I opened up to that. I want to, I think a, a big thing that for me as a, like just a more spiritual based person, like I've had, I've had Christians tell me you remind me of like a very great Christian. I've had Muslim people tell me like, man, you you remind me of you like the epitome of what a Muslim man is. I'm like, it's but this is the principles, and I think psychologically, where we are as a people, it really you can't separate that from the faith, right? Like you can't if a man is depressed and he's a Christian or he's a Muslim or he's uh, a Buddhist, his psychological state is going to impact his ability to manifest the principles of his religion, right? Like if I'm in a disenfranchised state or an impaired state, I'm not in my right mind. And I think I can kind of think what Dre is speaking to is like, why, why, is, why doesn't the church put you in your right mind? Like, you know, the renewing of the mind is supposed to come through the spirit. What, why doesn't the church do that? But I think you have a lot of people who are, you know, I'm trying to steward these people into the, into the, the right direction, into the, into the faith, but there's so much psychological, social, political, economic weight on black people as a whole. And it's, it's not like, just because you're a pastor, 
doesn't mean you don't feel that. It's because you were uh, imam in a in a in a mosque in a in a mosque doesn't mean you don't feel that. Because you were a Buddhist teacher doesn't mean you don't feel that. It's because you were a spiritual meditation leader don't mean you don't feel that weight. And I think, like I say, I, I really like what Dre said. Like we need to those two things intertwine a lot, especially in America, because what we're dealing with in America is affecting our psyche. And so, in a spiritual sense, if if we have all these doctrines and that's I, I kind of, I got the Chris's point. Cause Chris is like, man, this is, the book actually says that none of that stuff is really correct. And it's like, we have, it's not like the Trojan horse. Like, hey man, here's this beautiful faith system. Here's these beautiful principles. Here's these, here's these doctrines, but here's a little white supremacy there too. And you like, how do you, you want to separate it? You like, no, bro, get this out of here. But it's like in the horse. And my, my, my thinking has always been you have to break it down to build it up. And I know a lot of, um, yeah, I've heard of like liberation theology or black liberation theology. There's a lot of black people who are reclaiming Christianity in a way that empowers black people, but it takes a lot of restructuring, takes a lot of reframing. Like, no, this is not correct because of this. This is not correct because of this. And I'm, I'm one of the, I believe that that can that can be ha that can be done, and it should be done if you're going to hold the Christian, you know, faith close to your heart and say I'm a Christian. You have to do that reclamation work, and you have to be intentional. Excuse me, intentional about how you're building out that faith. I also believe there are some people who are so traumatized or disenfranchised by the way white supremacy has entered into Christianity, not just in America, but like I said hundreds of years ago, starting in Rome, in the Roman Empire. So it's just like, it has this, it's it's so intertwined. That it takes a lot of unpacking or it takes someone to say, okay, I, I like these principles. I'm going to practice these principles. And I'm, because it's something about the church. I think the institution as a whole, like, and Christy, like, man, looking at the Western, Westernized churches are almost like, doing a disservice to Christianity because you're like you're not even looking at the real thing but for a lot of people that's all they know that's all they see and nice. the culture of America and I'm on a spiritual level culture is a non-physical entity culture is an is, a, is energy culture is a spirit nice. so the spirit of America is is bigger than the spirit of the black church because the black church is pulling from this greater spirit of America versus pour, pour, pouring from the spirit of Christ. And I think that's why a lot of churches cannot, cannot pour into you as a black man from, from a plight standpoint or from a branch and disenfranchisement standpoint, because they're also pulling the energy, the culture from America and trying to cope with being in a country that realistically is almost like it, it's, it's relying on you not ever rising. And if you look at even like Christ, like he's, it's almost like if we almost like living in the biblical times, like Christ is teaching about the uprising of, of power, whether that's Rome, whether it's America, like they're, they're, they're the same entity. And I, me and Nick and Will was talking um, yesterday about how I said Rome never failed. Rome just came to America. Like the spirit of Rome is America. 
Mm. So we're looking at the we're looking at the empire of Rome in America right now. And so what did the Romans do? They crucified the man. They're the ones who killed him. The same people who adopted the religion, co-opted it, and then packaged it up, and then took it over here, they're the ones who killed him. So it's like a conundrum. It's 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 a very weird like dynamic to balance unless you have the conversation that we're having today. Like most people aren't gonna have this conversation because you're, you're thinking about it, but you're not gonna go into detail about the conversation. You're like, man, I don't know. People gonna they're either gonna dismiss the black church and be like, oh, I'm fool with the black church, or they're gonna be like, man, I know I know Christ for my life. So it's like you have, and that's like a simplified response that we can give, and it's good we have this conversation because we can all recognize the principles in our life. We can all rec- recognize what what drew us to anybody, whether you're mm-hmm. Muslim, Christian, Buddhist, what draws you to faith in the first place? It's that human element of, of compassion, love, understanding, connection, caring for one another that's present, but yet you have this oppressive machine in front of you. And that culture, I think we don't talk about that enough, like the spirit, the spirit of oppression. What does that really mean? Like there is a, it's not just people pulling political strings, like there's an energy, there's a non-physical energy that is operating in America. And I think the church as a, as a, especially, I mean, we're in enemy territory. We're, we're, we're in, in the lines then. Like has to realize that we're, we're not, we're not on friendly soil. We're not in, you know what I mean? Like the empire was meant to be overturned and until collectively we have this conversation because it's not just even in the, within the church this is within black america as a whole so i think it's it's easy for us to pinpoint the black church because it's like a it's a staple it's it's you know if we talk about marketing it's one of the main things that we we have like man it's like black church black music black entertainment like those that's what you think of me and maybe think of sports but like you don't think necessarily black culture when you think of a sports but you think of a church and you think of music that's us so it's easy to pinpoint those two things and we look at our entertainers or our clergy people as the people who are supposed to be the voice but like all movements start from one within but they start grassroots level so we have people who have they have they how deep have they dived into the scripture how deep have they dived into what's going on in america to even and that's a collective issue like black people as a whole have not you know what i'm saying had those conversations like you know we need, we need to rise up it's it's in pockets you see it in pockets but you can also see the self-destruction in our own communities too that's not particularly in, in the church or in the mosque but it's just our people as a whole have adopted and inherited by force for 500 years that spirit of oppression i think that is the underlying issue that we still carry that with us and if you don't acknowledge the spirit of of negative entities, you don't you can't remove it. You can't cast it out if you're like, oh no, we're just gonna do this thing. And I think that's the, what has to happen. Like, okay, we got the Trojan horse. Let's at least find where the the wound is. Let's find what you know. If you're a doctor, they're gonna find where the sickness is. And it's like we sick, but I don't I don't I ain't worried about going to a doctor. It's like we have to go to the doctor. You gotta know where it is if we're gonna repair 
our relationship with, with God and our walk and how that affects our community, we have to be like, okay, this is where we're sick. This is where the, the, the illness is and how can we start fixing that? I think having this conversation on a wider scale is what's gonna start moving that change forward faster. Because I think you made some great points. I just want to throw in a, a quick piece real quick. Whenever I look at the mobilization of, uh, of Christianity within the black community, um, and how come it's not really taking grassroots um, growth um, the way it did in prior years. And I believe, you know, one thing looking at the church is that um, Christianity does not allow for any other external resources to come into and help your life outside of what's in the Bible, right? So you have a lot of you have a lot of believers um, that does not believe in counseling, right? Like we talk about all the time, mental health, but counseling uh, within the Christian within the Christian body is is not it doesn't um, allow for um, for you to go meet with a uh, psychiatrist, right? Because it'll tell you, hey, look, all you need is this book, right? And then, you know, we talk about the finances. Again, it does not promote, right? The culture does not promote you to go outside of whatever the Bible says and go meet with a financial advisor or whatever the case may be, right? So I believe due to the lack of resources, external resources that the church allows you to have uh, outside of the Bible is another reason why so many people have been pushed away. I want to say, secondly, I believe, especially in the South, right? You know about the Bible Belt, Chris. You know about the Bible Belt. So in the South, it, it's a do this, a, do this, or you going to hell, right? There is no grace in the tone. There is no grace in the messaging, right? It's either you're going to do this or you're going to go to hell. It's either black or white. There is no gray areas. And again, I believe that type of philosophy and ideology is also another component that is pushing people away. Because every time you come into a building, or every time you have a conversation with a member of the church, you don't want to hear how bad you're doing, right? You don't want to hear, you, you don't want to hear how, look, you need, you, need, you need to do this or you're going to hell flat out. You don't want to be reminded of your shortcomings every time, right? So I believe those are the main two contributing factors that are really pushing people, especially black people, away from the, away from the body of the church. Right, so um, we've had a great conversation. Will, do you want to add anything before we wrap up? Um, I'm pretty sure y'all kind of hit uh, all the points of it, but the only thing I would probably add to it, um, a lot of times, like, when you're on your journey, as far as a Christian, um, how can one religion say, well, my religion is the only religion that should be taught or believed over another. Like, people go to war over their religions. And by them going to war over their religion, they're saying, hey, my religion's right, yours is wrong. We're going to fight about this to see, you know, who God's favor is, is for. Um, so that, that's kind of another thing that I struggle with is who's to say what religion is correct or what religion should be uh, taught to whom. Um, they all teach like a similar principle. They all teach love, connection, treat thyself as thy neighbor. Um, so they're, they're all pulling from some common ground, 
but when you get into the specifics of it, they kind of branch out as you go into more of like the the rituals, the beliefs, like, you know, church. Um, but yeah, that, that's kind of the thing that I also think about all the time. In which I believe that we've had a very good in-depth conversation. Um, I appreciate everyone being vulnerable enough and comfortable enough to really share um, you guys' viewpoint on this. I know, I know talking about religion and kind of going against the grain with it, shameless plug, by the way, against the grain podcast, but going against the grain with, um, um, you know, Christianity and just uh, religion, period. Um, a lot of people just want to cast you off as being an atheist or a sinner or a demon, whatever, right? So everyone just being able to uh, be comfortable enough to share their own viewpoints, I thank and I respect each one of you brothers. Um, it's always good to see black men come to, come together um, and always find that solidarity to really help push the agenda forward, right? So um, the podcast, the podcast, please um, like, subscribe, and share. Um, it's on YouTube. Follow us on IG, ATGPod3. Um, and then also our Facebook account as well, Against the Grain. So this has been another episode, and we out. Once again, thank y'all for tuning in to another episode of Against the Grain Podcast. Make sure you follow us on all social media at ATGPod3. Also, make sure you like and subscribe, leave some comments so that we can interact with you on the next week's episode. And make sure you tell your mama, your mama's mama, and your mama's mama's mama. And you better not forget your daddy's side. And there it is, ATG. Yeah. Get it. Yeah.